The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To the end of our study of Proverbs, we're looking at Proverbs 31, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. Proverbs 31, 10 to 31. I'll give our attention as God Himself speaks to us from His Holy Word. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This concludes the reading of God's Word. May God be pleased to add His blessing to it. Well, I was thinking about titling uh, this sermon, Every Woman's Favorite Mother's Day Passage. If you have spent any time in really any Baptist or non-denominational church, or even outside of that, the chances are good that this text was preached on Mother's Day. And in most cases, the sermon could have been titled, A Load of Guilt to Go Along with Your Load of Laundry. And even thinking about this text might make some of you weary. And Larry, to even hear a sermon on it, perhaps you're even a little nervous to be here uh, this afternoon. But if you think about it for a moment, uh, this is not the only text that gets treated this way in a lot of evangelical and Baptist circles. Many texts get preached with a heavy law emphasis. 
The issue is not this text. The issue is a misuse of the law. Like it's applied to every text of Scripture. This one tends to especially stand out uh, to some of you women because on a day meant to celebrate and show gratitude for mothers, you end up getting beat up with the law from the Bible in church. And also men's and women's roles have been a particular focus in Calvinistic Baptist circles. And these books do tend to come with a heavy legal uh, focus. And so you end up walking away discouraged because you don't measure up. And you walk away with mainly a call to do more, try harder. You're already tired and feeling guilty. And this is especially sour if uh, you get mistreated as a wife and basically have no voice when you need help. You're told basically you're the problem. and uh, You just need to do better. Uh, the other response to this kind of legal focus is to walk in pride. Say, I have achieved this. I am getting it right. And others should be like me. Now, the law is not bad. The law is good. We should strive to be loving husbands and loving wives who sacrificially serve for the benefit and blessing of the other. But that becomes impossible when the law gets misused. The law then becomes the power and agent of sin, where you have to do the law for life. Do the law to deliver yourself from your guilt. You're avoiding difficulty and punishment in your marriage. It's up to you to try to do better. The major piece of the puzzle that gets left out of this type of legal teaching is Christ. As we will see, Proverbs 31 is about Christ. And it applies to more than just wives. It applies to all of us in here. And of course it applies to wives, but not in a way where the law is misused, but rather in a way that it's applied from life. Because you have been forgiven, because you are loved and adopted, because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, seek to put on these characteristics which are simply the characteristics of your wonderful and beautiful Savior. Substantially, there is no new wisdom principle here in Proverbs 31 that we haven't already heard in the book. And so we're going to look at three persons that a Proverbs 31 woman is about. And they are these. First, Christ. Second, the church. And third, of course, the cherished wife. But first, Christ. Now, why do I say Proverbs 31, this woman, is about Christ? Well, first off, remember that Proverbs personified wisdom as a woman. Proverbs 3.15 says, She, referring to wisdom, is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is personified as a woman. And we saw in Proverbs 9, two ladies presented to us. You have Lady Wisdom, and then you have Lady Folly. Lady Wisdom built a house, prepared a banquet, and calls out to all to find satisfaction 
delight with her. Lady Folly does the same, but she is seductive, loud, and invites all to come to her for stolen goods and food eaten in secret. Well, we see in Proverbs 5 this fleshed out. An adulterous woman who is loud and seductive, that is the face of Lady Folly. The Proverbs ends with a faithful and noble wife who loves her husband, who loves her children, and the poor. Proverbs ends with this woman who fears the Lord. And that is how Proverbs began. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. And then Proverbs ends with, here's a woman who fears the Lord. This is the face of wisdom. And this is what we need to find praiseworthy. Proverbs is saying, This is what Lady Wisdom looks like. We could perhaps title this section, Lady Wisdom Has the Final Word. But wisdom is more than personified. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is ultimately the Son of God Himself. Any sort of wisdom anyone exercises reflects the Son of God or Lord Jesus Christ. Hence, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2.3 that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ. And so the characteristics mentioned here in Proverbs 31 of the Proverbs 31 women are ultimately characteristics of our Lord Jesus Christ reflecting Him who is wisdom itself. And so how does this point to Christ? Verse 12 says that she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Well, of whom can this truly be said except of of our Savior? Because we are all sinners in here. And we don't always do each other good. We sin against each other. But the Lord Jesus Christ, He did us good all the days of His life. And how did He do that? He did good by living a life of perfect obedience to the law, even under test. Why? So that we would have a righteousness, not of our own. That we would be able to stand before God and receive that eternal good. And then He went to the cross and He suffered harm. All the harm that we had done because of our sin. Our sin put Him on the cross and harmed Him and He suffered for that. That He may do us eternal good. And having all our sins forgiven, that we may live with Him eternally. Verse 13 says, She works with willing hands in service to others. Well, our Lord Jesus came willingly to do the work of the Father. To do His work. To serve us. Working to save us. And all this other-oriented service working to serve others and improve them, ultimately points to our Lord Jesus Christ. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give His very life as a ransom for us. Verse 15 says that she rises while it's still dark. And verse 18 says her lamp does not go out at night. Jesus rose while it's still dark to pray. And then He stayed up late. His lamp did not go out. Jesus fulfills this ultimately. Verse 16 says she buys a a vineyard and plants it. Well, Jesus has purchased us, His vineyard, that He has planted from whom He derives fruit. He is the vine. 
we are the branches whom He prunes. Verse 20 says, She opens her hands to the poor. Lord Jesus Christ served the poor and needy, especially us poor and needy sinners who are destitute of all righteousness. Verse 21 says, She is not afraid of the snow. Why? For all her household are clothed. And she has worked to clothe all of them. Well, does this not point to our Lord Jesus Christ, who has clothed us with the righteousness not of our own, by His work, so that we do not need to be afraid of what is to come, but we may stand in the day of judgment, clothed in His righteousness, that He is the one that stood naked and exposed in our place so that we would be covered? Verse 26 says, The teaching of kindness is on her lips. Oh, how true of this is this of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose tongue was one as being taught, that he may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary, before whom all marveled at the gracious word coming out of his mouth. Verse 27 says, She looks well to the way of her household. How true of this is of how true is this of our great high priest who is a faithful servant in the house of God? And of whom else can we speak the words of verse 29 ultimately? Many have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And for his great work in fulfilling the covenant of redemption with his father in Pouring out his life unto death, he receives the fruit of his hands, and he will receive praise at the gates of heaven. So, Proverbs 31 is ultimately about Christ, wisdom itself, wisdom incarnate. But it doesn't only point to Christ, it's also about the church, which is the second person that a Proverbs 31 is about, about the church. The Bible, as you know, calls the church the bride or wife of Christ. Revelation 21.9 says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Oh, the Lamb. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a wife. And who is she? It's the church. In Ephesians 5, Paul says that Genesis 2.24, where it speaks of a man leaving his father and mother and being joined to his wife, is about Christ and the church. We are in a covenant relationship with Christ who is our head, just as with a husband and wife. And so as the bride of Christ, we as the church are to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Verse 10 literally says uh, that this is a woman of strength and valor. Well, Christ's bride is the church militant or the church triumphant. She is strong in Him and in the strength of His might, putting on the full armor of God and standing against the flaming darts of the devil. The church is the only place where this strong bride is found. And of course, we are to seek to do the name of Christ our husband good and not harm. We are to work with willing hands and serving others. We are not to eat the bread of idleness. As we saw throughout Proverbs, a lazy person is a fool. A wise person is one who is diligent. Well, that applies to all of us in here. All of us are to be like this. 
We are to make our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, known at the gates as we spread His truth far and wide. We are to preach the gospel to the spiritually poor that they may be clothed with the righteousness not of their own on the day of judgment. And we, of course, are to literally clothe the poor in doing good deeds, our hands stretching out to the poor. And, of course, we are to fear the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Every single one of us is to fear the Lord. And so, we see here that this applies to us as the church. We will receive the fruit of our hands. We will reap in due season if we do not give up, knowing that our work in the Lord is not in vain. So every one of us who is a member of Christ's church is to be a Proverbs 31 woman in this sense. Strong, serving, working willingly and diligently, considering the needs of others, providing for those in need, making our husband, our Lord Jesus Christ, known, fearing the Lord. And of course, a third and final person that a Proverbs 31 woman is about is the cherished wife. As we read in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. Again, as I mentioned, this literally means a woman of strength, valor, ability, you can say. This passage reveals what a strong woman looks like. Not strength that comes naturally from this world, that the world promotes, where she stands up for herself, where she, she makes things about herself and her recognition. Rather, this is a spiritual strength that can only be found by being in Christ. That comes from the Holy Spirit, from Christ's Spirit dwelling within. And as I mentioned, every characteristic we see, this wise, these wise characteristics are all characteristics that we find in Christ. So this is simply putting on Christ. This is simply walking in his ways, now no woman is going to measure up to this perfectly. Really, you have this ideal woman in this passage. But this is the case for all of us in here when it comes to any aspect of God's law. None of us will ever measure up. Yet we seek to, strive to, put on these characteristics by his grace and spirit. So first we see the beautiful characteristic of service that benefits others. We read in verses 11 through 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And these are good characteristics, seeking to be trustworthy, seeking to be faithful. That is a wonderful blessing. And she seeks her husband's benefit, seeking to do him good and not harm. A doing good and not harming others is simply a basic Christian virtue that all of us are to seek. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is what each one of us is to do. A husband to his wife and a wife to her husband. Second, his success is attributed in part to her. See in verse 23, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, the gates are where important business was transacted, where, where wise judgment was given and wise counsel was given. Well, this woman's husband sits among the elders, and the context suggests that it's because 
of her, her influence. She has benefited him. Uh, this is implied in verse 26, which says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Uh, she's not a gossip. She's not a slanderer. She's not bitter. She doesn't cut others down, especially her husband. The wise and kind instruction that comes out of her mouth that builds others up and encourages them and directs them in godly ways is help her husband. The wise and kind instruction is what's behind this. And I could say my own wife has been superbly beneficial uh, to me in giving me godly advice uh, during uh, times of hardship. Where I, I say, why, why am I even pastoral ministry? I just want to give this all up. And he goes, well, obviously Satan is seeking to discourage you. Uh, the, the Lord has been using you, and that has tremendously helped me. Now the principle here is of her beneficial influence. Not every faithful woman's husband is going to be a city elder. Speaking generally, the principle is the benefit of uh, her, her influence. Also, the husband might turn out to be a fool despite uh, his wife's godliness. So there's only so much that someone can control. Third, as she is attentive to the needs of others. Verse 27 says, she looks well to the ways of her household. And this is a principle that we all should embrace. You know, in our selfishness, we can be oblivious to the needs of others because we're so focused on ourselves, our desires, and our comforts. And if we are keenly aware of others, it tends to be keenly aware of their sin, where they fall short. And we point out those faults, and we have this legal and self-righteous spirit. And this bleeds out of our mouth, and often being negative and critical, pointing out faults, weighing others down, rather than seeking to be gracious and encouragement. But God wants us to be others-focused, focus on the needs of others, being attentive to their needs and how we can serve them. And so a godly wife pays attention to the needs of her husband, her children, her maidservants, back then they had maidservants, giving them portions, verse 15. And also for the poor and needy outside her home, in verse 20. And husbands, I want to address us for a moment here. We need to be attentive to the needs of our wife. We can't assume things. We tend to say, I have a plan, I'm going to do it, and my wife's going to help me do it without really considering her needs where she's at, and living with her according to knowledge, living with her in an understanding way. And so I think a good application would be, this afternoon, husbands, we should just humbly ask our wives, have I been looking out for your needs? And humbly listen. And she is both a planner and a diligent worker. Uh, we see planning throughout this section. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax, the things that are needed to make clothing. Verse 14, she brings her food from afar. That is, she gathers food from other parts of the world. It requires some planning, some thinking ahead. And then, closer to home, verse 16, considering a field and buying it. Verse 18, perceiving profitable merchandise. What are the best deals? In verse 21, her household is prepared for winter. Because they're clothed. Remember, they didn't have furnaces back then. They didn't have uh, insulated 
houses. And so she, in light of seeing the needs of her family, she plans ahead and is ready. Verse 22, she herself is clothed with fine linen and purple. These are luxurious clothing. Her planning has profited her and paid off as well. And so she laughs the time to come, verse 25. And she is a diligent worker. Again, we see throughout the entire book of Proverbs, a wise person, whether a male or female, is a diligent worker, whereas a fool is lazy. Verse 27 says she does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 13 says that she works with willing hands. And verses 15 and 18 speaks of her getting up early and working late into the night. And that's not necessarily literal. It's just a picture of how she cares uh, to uh, how much she cares and how she works to take care of her family. It's a top priority. And she is strong for her tasks, verse 17. She's strong by virtue of doing her work. And this includes even making profits, verse 24. She sells linen garments. And she makes money from her skill. Now I call this point a cherished bride. And I did that intentionally because of how her husband views her which instructs us husbands in here. This too is something that's often overlooked in this passage. There are instructions for men how they are to treat their own wives. Verse 10 says that her worth is far more precious than jewels. Men, having a prudent wife, that is from the Lord. And we would not mistreat any of our hunting equipment, uh, a gun, a rifle, uh, a side-by-side truck. We would not mistreat that. We take care of it. Well, what's far more worth than any of that stuff is the wife that is from the Lord, a prudent wife. And so we are to see her value and worth and give God thanks and treat her accordingly. Verse 11 says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. You know, one of the strange things I've seen in my time as a pastor is men who have evil suspicions of their wives. Their heart does not trust her. Not because she's showing herself untrustworthy or being like the adulteress in Proverbs 5. That would be understandable. But because he is insecure. But men, you are to not have any evil suspicions of your wife when there's no work for them, when there's no evidence of it. And notice how much freedom she has to do things. She considers a field and she buys it. She plants a vineyard. She takes care of the whole household. She even uses her skills to sell and make money. There's no micromanaging here. There's no lists. There's no keeping track of everything. This is what it means to have your heart trust in her. And then there is praising her, verses 28 through 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently. You surpass them all. The children are always to show their mother honor, even though it's difficult at times, but. Uh, This is especially so if she is a reflected, a Christian wife, reflected uh, things in this passage. 
And husbands, uh, we have instructions from God's Word here to praise our wives for the good qualities that we find in them. Will she be perfect? Of course not. Will she fall short of this passage? Absolutely. Will she have flaws and failures? Yes. But we need to set aside a critical negative spirit and encourage her. We need to appreciate and praise the good in her produced by the grace of God. As verse 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A charm, a charming personality or or this flattery tongue is deceitful. There, there's no, there's no virtue behind that. It can actually be a cloak for true and actual virtue. Beauty, while it should be appreciated and delighted in. Song of Solomon clearly brings this out. Yet it's fleeting. It's vanity. It will go away. It will not last. But what should we value? What should we praise? What should we find praiseworthy? It is a woman who fears the Lord. It is a woman who stands in awe of the Lord. That is what it means to fear the Lord, to stand in awe of Him and be controlled by His greatness, whereby we live for His glory. What a great gift that is. And men, we should desire that. You men who have, you young ones in here who are going to be married someday, that is what you look for. A woman who fears the Lord, who stands in awe of Him and lives for His glory. Women, that is what you are to seek. Do not find your ultimate identity in your beauty. That will fade. Find your ultimate identity in the Lord. Stand in awe of Him because outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And husbands, you are instructed to praise and encourage her. As verse 31 says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. She is to receive the fruit of her labors, the money made from the product she sold, and the honor and praise of her children and her husband. This is to be public. It says in the gates, Amen. We are to not make biting, underhanded, demeaning comments about our wives in front of others. Rather, we are to compliment and commend our wives before others. You know, one of the things that really help children and provide a healthy home is when the fathers praise their mother, his wife, in front of them. May we Christian men be known for this. And may you Christian wives be praiseworthy. As this verse says, let her works praise her in the gates. Do not demand to be praised while being contentious. Do not seek to be uh, praised, but rather seek to fear the Lord. And live your life for His praise. And the praise will come. And if you do live your life for the Lord, but are not praised because you have a sinful and foolish husband, then know this. You will be praised by your eternal husband 
at the greater gates, the heavenly gates. On the day of judgment, you will be vindicated. You will be publicly commended by the judge of all the earth, by Christ Almighty, before all men and angels. You will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, if you are in Christ. Your bad works and failures will be covered and never brought forward, but only your good works, which were done by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, those will be brought forth and commended. And you will receive your reward from your faithful heavenly husband who saw all that you had done in secret that went unnoticed. And you will be forever treasured and treated perfectly by him. So since our reward is ultimately with our perfect husband in heaven, may we seek to be a Proverbs 31 bride as members of the church, the bride of Christ. And for you ladies in here who are Christian husbands, seeking to bring honor to Christ in whatever role or duty you find yourself in. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us to be wise, to be that Proverbs 31 bride of Christ. We pray that you would help us in our marriages as Christian husbands and wives, that we would seek to live for you and honor you, that we would produce the fruit of the Spirit in our marriages, which we would seek to do even if we weren't married. Because we are in Christ and we love Him. Help us to grow in our love for Him because He has so loved us and given Himself up for us that we may be eternally clothed and bear the fruit of the Spirit. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.